Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we are back with episode 11 with Elliot Jim Michnik. I'll give a big shout out to my sponsors of Driving Bears Home Bacon. Go check them out. Aisle 7 at the Old Strathcona Farmer's Market. And Tony Chaser, who is performing at the Peace River uh, Music Festival uh, in August or July. I should look that up. It's in the summertime. Go check him out because he created a fine piece of music and he needs to get some love around here. So, Elliot, how's it going? It's going good, Angus. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great, buddy. I'm so happy to have you on. Right? I'm so happy to be able to just hang out with you again. It's been so long since we've connected. Yeah, right? Like, solid two years? Yeah. At least. Um, yeah. Well, thank you for lunch because that was fantastic. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> so... Tell me, what have you been up to since we last saw each other? So the last time you saw me, I was actually still in high school, and I was living at my parents' place, and uh, since then, I've been basically venturing out on my own in the last two years. I've uh, been working a lot, uh, moving around, living in a couple of different places, and just, uh, I guess, trying to figure out more or less kind of where I'm going in life, what direction I'm heading, what I want to do, what I want to see. Yeah, so where have you lived? So, uh, two years ago, I was living here in Winkler, Manitoba. Um, the next summer, actually, after I had seen you, uh, I moved to Peace River, Alberta. So I ventured out there because through high school, I had gone to work at Bible camp there, built some connections, loved it, ended up moving out there. Um, so that was the main place that I was last year. Um, and then now I've moved back here and in between there, just a couple different houses, some apartments, some basements, some dingy one bedrooms, <laughs> some nice apartments with balconies, you know. Oh, balcony. Oh, wow. Yeah. That must have cost you a fortune. Yeah. It, oh, it was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome. So what's been your favorite place to live in so far? Peace River for sure. Right um, what do you love about that place? I love the scenery. I also love the lifestyle. It's small town, kind of northern remote country style. So I just did like a lot of hiking there. Yeah. Basically every day after work, you know, go put on your boots and go for like the woods or go have a fire, take your truck down some trails and, you know, just the rednecks. Yeah, yeah. I, I really fell in love with it. Oh man, that's some um, good stuff out there. Yeah. yeah. I love the Peace River country. Oh, for sure. Just the, the big valley every fall. The whole thing is yellow as far as your eye can yeah. see. Every spring, it's green as far as you can see, you know. Um, in the wintertime, you've got the beautiful snowfall and the horror frost. It's beautiful. Really. Oh, yeah. It's gorgeous country up there. Oh, like, yeah. So, like, is there any, like, hikes that you'd recommend, or is it just some no-name trails that you just got comfortable with? <laughs> Most of them are no-name, uh, which is really cool there because the valley is super accessible. Most of it is crown land. Yeah. So that's one of the big things I loved about living there was like if you live in Calgary to go do things in the mountains, you got to still go to the mountains. It costs you money. It takes a trip. You got to drive out there and stuff. In Peace River, literally from uh, from one of the schools in town, like you can just take a walk out to your west or north or south or east, any direction you want, and end up in thick wilderness in like five minutes. And so it's just super easy to go out and do your hikes and just cut your own trails. Uh, but one I would recommend in Peace River when you're coming in from the south end to the southeast from Nampa side, um, when you're coming into town, 
you can see on your left hand side in the valley there's actually a Canadian flag on one of the peaks in the valley and what me and one of my buddies did is we parked our vehicle on the other side of that valley and then we just hiked through down up and then we hiked up to that flag and we just went up there one just to kind of you know say that we hiked up to the flag the views from there so that was super cool like a point of pride for uh, the locals out there to get up to the canadian flag uh i don't i don't think i'd say it's a point of pride but it's definitely a thing that you hear a lot of young people talking about it's like oh like, we should hike out to the flag one of these days or we we've always wanted to go hike to the flag but the thing is like it's a five hour hike yeah and we're talking like thick rose bushes and steep hills like there's no actual cut trails so it's like raw hiking. Yeah, you just gotta <laughs> like throw you're up there going your hardest trying to make it to this thing. Yeah, so it's not for the pain of heart. Like you got to no. throw it on the car hearts just like, I hope these things don't bust through. <laughs> oh yeah, and like I, I had rosebush needles in my knees and hands for like literally, I think three months oh. after. Like, it, it, yeah, you're you're breaking bush, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but I love that kind of stuff. That's, that's yeah. what I fell in love with there. It's so much more raw and just out in nature. Do you see any cool wildlife when you're out there? Oh man, Peace River is yeah. the spot for wildlife. Yeah, is. So being from Winkler, Manitoba, uh, around here we have like a few deer and stuff, but literally that's about all you see. Like you'll see a, a couple deer a year. When I moved to Peace River, um, it was more like, you know, you see sometimes 30 deer in one night just driving to the grocery store. Yeah. You know, you'll see like two herds of and uh, I mean, with that comes the risk of hitting wildlife. I've also almost hit like a bunch of moose and all kinds of scary stuff like that. But uh, the wildlife was was also one of my favorite things. I know, like uh, just in this last spring here, when I was still up there, me and some buddies Sunday afternoon, like today, we were out just going for a hike like usual, and uh, we had actually gone to a spot where we hike out to this cabin that's in the woods. And uh, there's a bunch of Saskatoon berries along the trail. So we're, you know, having a good time in the sun, grabbing Saskatoons, munching them down. And all of a sudden I'm walking and I'm at the front of the line of guys out here. And there's just a bear that hops across the trail, like 10 feet in front of me. <laughs> just a big old brown bear. He literally just hopped across, just strolled his way through the woods there. And I was just like, okay, guys, let's start making some noise. Like, we've got a bear right here. Just... He could care less about you guys. Too. Oh, they don't care. Yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, definitely something else that I fell in love with was just being able to see moose and deer and bear just on a more regular basis. It's amazing. Like, you just get a little more connected to the to the side of an acre. You know? Yeah. It's a beautiful thing seeing a moose in winter time going through a field or or a bear out in the wilderness eating berries. It's yeah. just you don't see that unless you're out in that remote area. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, Manitoba has zero moose. Yeah, well, no. <laughs> very few very anyway. Few, yeah. you got to go far north. Yeah, and even then, like, they, like not even natives can go on the moose just because they're that endangered out yeah. there. Like, this is prime moose country. Right. You ever seen, like, videos of moose just hauling it through, like, the snow? Yeah, I have. Or just, like... I've actually seen moose do that IRL as well. Oh, really? And they can run stupid fast while their belly is scraping snow banks. Yeah. They're just going like 50 clicks through this stuff. How, how are you doing that, man? Like, just, <laughs> yeah, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. 
just absolute units. Oh yeah, man. those so, are crazy. Yeah, I love them. I actually, um, one of my coworkers, so I was working at a fuel company called Max Fuel in Alberta. One of my coworkers there was a 63 year old guy named Danny, and Danny had all kinds of cool stories about the Peace River area in northern Alberta. And um, yeah, the one day we were just talking about this exact day, just talking about moose and deer and wildlife and how you almost hit them all the time and stuff. Yeah. And he said when he was a kid, him and his dad one time were coming into town from their place in the country or whatever, and uh, they're driving along the highway. And his dad sees a moose, and real quick, he just had taken Danny, put him down on the floor of the truck, just leaned over him. And sure enough, they hit the moose, and the moose took off the whole cab of the truck. Yeah, perfectly. And that always just stuck with me, because Danny told me, he's like, you ever see a moose, if you think you're going to hit him, just make sure you get below your dash, because if they come over, they're taking the cab, and, like, your head's going with that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I came pretty close to smoking a moose there last winter. I just brought, bought the brand new car, like maybe 4,000 K on. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, I feel good. And then this big moose pops out in the middle of the night. Yeah. Yes, he spooked me pretty good. The stupid thing wiped out. Oh, no. Like right what? in front of the car. Like, I think he just caught a patch of ice on the hooves and just like, dang. Went down. Yeah. I was just crap. Like, uh, like, I'm hitting this moose and I'm. That that yeah. Oh, so, hey, either way, the stupid thing managed to slide off the road. I almost hit it that way. It's just like I had to stop. Huh. Was that, 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 that was that? <laughs> yeah, like uh, the the girl who was seeing was driving behind me. She's like, "What's the matter? Like, did you not see that fifteen hundred pound animal right in front of us? Think it killed me? No problem. So crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Last winter, I was um. Again, I was still in Peace River last winter. I was coming back to Winkler here for Christmas. And uh, it's a 19-hour drive. I usually leave pretty late in the evening, and then I'm just driving through the night so that I get less traffic through the city. And uh, I'm leaving Peace River. And, like, before I got to Edmonton, I had almost hit four moves. Like, they just kept coming out of the ditch. It was the craziest thing. I was just driving along. All of a sudden, there's just a moose crossing the road, like, right in front of me, missing by one foot. Like, yeah. 45 minutes later, driving down the road, moose crosses the road, like, 30 feet in front of me, you know? 35 minutes later, almost hit one by, like, two feet again. Yeah. It's, just, it's crazy out there. Sometimes, it's, there's just so much wildlife. you got to really be cautious yeah. when you're driving at night. Well, that's the crazy thing about moose, too, is, like, they don't have any reflectors in so you no, don't, you don't see them until you just see a big brown mass. Yes, yeah. you're like, what is that? Oh, you're like, oh, geez, there's actually something. Yeah, there. it's a moose, and I'm about to die. Yeah, it doesn't matter what, unless you're driving a semi, you're dying. Oh yeah, any anything smaller than a semi, you're taking the brunt of that. Yeah, of that damage for well, sure. Well, my dad hit a moose there a couple years back, and yeah. that uh, little SU, like little like grandma SUV, okay. it's what uh, the Mitsubishi. Lounder, I think. He's okay. Up. Yeah. So either way, it's a fine vehicle. And uh, he smoked a moose, and he was like, I didn't even know until like two weeks later. He didn't tell me. Like, Why didn't you tell me? Like, he hit or die. Right. He no was like, oh, I just got real lucky. I didn't think too much of it. <laughs> you stupid moron. Just tell me when you're almost dying. Yeah. Being a moose, and yeah. that's not cool. No, but it, it doesn't always. <laughs> it doesn't end very well. Somehow they managed to replace his vehicle just like that. So. Okay, well, that's good. 
And it was real fortunate for him. Yeah, got a good claim out of it at least. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's Alberta insurance, so it's not as cool as MPI. <laughs> no, it's a little bit more rough to deal with. Yeah. But MPI themselves are more to deal with. Yeah, but they, a, MPI hates <laughs> <laughs> They will just try to take your money and make your life more difficult. I think that's every insurance company. <laughs> right. We have your money, stupid. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. You know, it's amazing. I wish I could get away with that kind of crap. None, yeah, like just rob everyone and be like, ah, I guess I'll give you a little bit of your money back. Yeah, being a single guy in Alberta when you like insurance is not for your twenty five. Yeah, as a single dude, like my truck. I just got a single cab V six truck. It's an old rusty piece of crap that's not worth anything. That doesn't go fast, and I'm paying like twenty six hundred bucks a year. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> spending just about as much as me with my brand new vehicle. Yeah, it's, it's pretty nuts. But apparently that goes down once you're 25. So. Yeah, if you have a decent battery. Yeah, which, right. <laughs> knock on wood, let's keep it that right. <laughs> we'll keep driving smart. <laughs> that's that's a rough thing. So, I mean, like 19 hours between here and Peace River. Mm-hmm. Um, what's, what's the best thing about that drive? What's the worst thing about that drive? The, oh... The best thing about that drive is when you get to your destination. Yeah. <laughs> Not gonna lie, that night, that's a long drive. It is. Like, I do Edmonton to, or like, Leduc to Winnipeg or, yeah. you know, formerly Gimli. Yeah, and you're rocking about 14 hours. 14 hours. I've done it in 11 before. <laughs> that's I did it 11, 11.45 was my <laughs> best record ever because I was just like, you just, I just sat the cruise for a buck 28. Yeah. Like, do, 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 like yeah. cruise through everyone. Yeah, like, don't don't ever try to do any, yeah, like Leduc to to Winnipeg in less than twelve. Like no, that's I, yeah. I looked at the time like that doesn't seem right. Like oh yeah, I guess I literally only stopped for gas and yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess to Winkler it's a little bit farther because we're an hour but uh, yeah, it's 19 hours like from this house to wherever I stay usually in Peace River. I can do it in like exactly 19 hours. Actually, saying you do that one sit or yep. You... So to do it in 19 hours, I would say like if you if you're driving speed limit and you're taking a normal amount of breaks, it's probably going to be close to 20 or 21 hour drive. Yeah, for me. Uh, to do it in 19 hours, I make four stops, and they're all 10 minutes or under. So I have about 40 minutes of stop time. Yeah. But, like, that 19 hours, like, you are pounding down that whole time. Yeah, especially, like, once you hit, like, I, like Southern Saskatchewan's got to be the worst drive. Yeah. I, do you I, do the, new, the North Road, or do you do the South Road? Uh, I don't know. Do you, do, do you go <laughs> Highway 1, or do you take uh, Highway 3 in Saskatchewan down to Highway? I do highway. You so you go all the way to Calgary and then cut. No, straight. sorry, not three. three highway three. Okay. Yeah. Bet. Yeah, I always go uh, Winkler, Regina, Saskatoon, Edmonton. You do that in that truck. Yeah, <laughs> which has a bench seat, so it's actually kind of funny. But I've I've done that nineteen hour trek six times in a in that old Chevy single cab with a bench seat. I think it's going to be a hog on gas, too. You know, because it's a V6, which is sad for me because no one wants a truck with a V6. Yeah. But the upside of that is it actually does, like, crazy good on fuel. 
Okay. Like, uh, it takes me four tanks to go to Peace River. Massive. Yeah, and I mean, I've got a bit of a bigger tank on there, but I can do Peace River for about uh, 750 bucks round trip. You know, you're in the three to four-ish range. Yeah. Which, with with a car, you will do it for more like, you know, between four and six hundred bucks. Yeah, like with me, uh, Leduc to uh, um, Winnipeg there, I got stopped twice. Yeah. Like, anywhere between hundred and a hundred bucks. Okay. Yeah, so, <laughs> I guess, I guess it is a little bit, bit of a big gap. A little bit of a gap. Uh, but like if you take my truck and then you go to a regular half ton that has a V8, well now you're going from like seven hundred and fifty bucks a round trip to like thirteen hundred bucks round trip. Fourteen hundred bucks round trip. You know, depending on how big of a hog your truck is. Yeah. But, but yeah, so give yourself a thirty five hundred with the uh dually. <laughs> yeah, you're too. gonna be smiles per gallon at that point. But you know, for me, I kind of need to have a truck out there. Um, like when I go up to Peace River, I'm spending a lot of time just honestly in the bush. Like yeah. we do a lot of trails. We've got fire pits and stuff that we go to for evenings and weekends that are like 20 minutes down some bumpy trail that your car just simply won't go. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's really worth it to have a truck when you get a bit more northern. Like that. Yeah, like there's some days I'm just like, I'd kill for a truck, but. No, what they but the fuel though. But the fuel, <laughs> so cheap. Yeah, I love it. Uh, man, I don't know. Yeah, and, and I mean it's a Honda Civic, so that thing has. Oh man, and reliable too. Well, Civic was my first car that yeah. I ever bought, and I mean minus forty five that Manitoba winter. That thing would just start up, man. I, I never, I never even plugged it in. It was yeah. ridiculous. Like yeah, it, it just fired up, no worries. Yeah, I had a ninety five Civic there. Like, okay. That yeah. thing, I feel like that thing must have had ten owners. No way. I finally <laughs> discovered it for like 120 bucks. I was like, yeah. Somebody take it off my hands, please. <laughs> Almost paying somebody to get rid of oh, it. Oh, <laughs> at that point, it's like any scrap. Well, it was missing its muffler, so it didn't, okay. really wasn't worth anything. But had like a little bottle cap uh, muffler on it. So yeah. It just like pops out of it. Oh yeah, and just the riser sound. Yeah. <laughs> no yeah. power. All. All just, you know, just history. all sound, yeah. <laughs> like, I took that, I bombed that thing, and like, it, uh, I think it was pushing a quarter pound. Like, no, good. for a fact, it was not taken care of in its last four months. Yeah, it just rat bag. Yeah, rat bag to the max, but man, I kind of like that car. Another old Civi. Man, my, uh, my Civic that I had, um, like, the first winter that I owned it, the, sorry, First summer that I owned it, we got a big hailstorm here, and it hailed so bad that it actually shattered my back window. It just <laughs> totally destroyed my car. And so I was like, I was 16 at the time, wanting to save up. I didn't really want to like spend 400 bucks on a window, so I just got it crash wrapped, and I drove it like that for like a year, Ooh. like through the minus 45 winter. But just because it was taking so long to actually get what the car was worth out of MPI. Yep. And there you go with the MPI stuff. Um, so I just drove it like crash wrapped like that for so long. And same thing, just beat the crap out of that car. Like by the time I gave it to MPI, my hubcaps were all snapped. My body panels were all cracked at the bottoms because that winter 
when I had trash wrap, I would just drift every corner into banks, into ditches. And I was young at the time, so yeah, that, that was kind of like my first time. car that I dummied up, you know? Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I had a blast with it. Oh, yeah, I bet. Yeah, like that Civic I had, they just did, um, uh, like, biking on ice at the mm-hmm. lake. Mm-hmm. So I took it there and just went on the crash course they had. And, oh, <laughs> oh, it was awesome. So, like, uh, me and the girl, me and the former girlfriend there, Yeah, uh, we just went drifting for an afternoon. I showed her how to drift properly, too. Heck, yeah. So she, like, but there's a couple times where she wouldn't quite get it and just big slam into the bank. Ooh. Good thing I only spent like four hundred dollars on this car, <laughs> yeah. and it's just barely saved me. Yeah, that's what those first cars are for. You just gotta, when you're young, you are gonna drive like an idiot. Yeah, you, know, you just gotta get it out of your system and do it. Yeah, I mean, like my very first, the one that I called mine was that old van at ninety. Oh, uh, that van was sick. I love that van. I was so sad <laughs> it died on. Like, I remember when you got that van, man. You also had a sweet truck. Where you I had that did. Van, right? I but that thing just sucked fuel. Sucked fuel. I rolled it, so it was just it was <laughs> it wasn't mangled, but like there was some beaten up spots. Yeah, it was a bit rough. Yeah. I feel like I remember that too. How did you roll that truck again? Uh it was uh driving down a gravel road. Yeah. And buddy didn't give me enough space and being a very inexperienced driver. Yeah. Uh as I sped up I caught some ice on my back end, oh, spun shit. around a couple times. Yeah. And then caught the ditch sideways and tunk. Oh, yeah, that'll do it. Whenever yeah. you catch the ditch sideways, you know yeah. you're going. And, like, <laughs> there's just nothing you can do when you're 16. You're like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, just out of control. Absolutely. And then you're like, okay. So, like, if I were to, if the same situation were to happen to me again, yeah. I get out of it, no problem. For sure. You just slow down. <laughs> you just slow down. Right? You're not like, I'm going to call her to 60K here. So yeah. You just slow her down to 40. If something happens to you again, you're going 40 instead of 60, yeah, which not, makes a big difference. Yeah. Well, I know like I caught my hip on that steering wheel because the lap belt went down. Right. And yes, I was hurting pretty bad. Yeah, I believe that. Well, there's a lot of force like that's getting put on the vehicle rolls. Oh, yeah. It's incredible that the human body can survive that half. Yeah. Actually, my boss here just rolled one of our work trucks a little while ago they were just cruising down the highway wind caught their trailer pulled the trailer into the ditch pulled the truck into the ditch and they flipped and uh, yeah we were just super grateful there too no one they actually a couple scratches a little bit of bruising but no one died oh yeah and uh it's scary like when you're talking about rolling a vehicle that's that often ends in a in a funeral you know yeah it's not a good situation yeah, well, just to have that happen at 16. Yeah, like, it's such a wake-up call. It is. Like, like because the like, truck was beaten up, it took me a while to get parked. Yeah. So I didn't drive for, I think, three to six weeks, something like that. Yeah. And the first time I hopped on the road, it scared shit. Yeah. I was, like, doing 40 on the gravel road. Like, am I going to die again? Yeah, am I going to flip? What's yeah. going on here? And then I hit the highway to 80. Like, I'm still kind of shaking. <laughs> Like a week later, it's like back to a box twenty. I don't care. I'm gonna live forever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm young and indestructible again. Yeah, I'm over my fear. Everyone sucks but me. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that's how you learn, right? Oh, you get better, and yeah, you got to go through some of those learning curves. Yeah, when you're young like that. 
Yeah, so I remember, like, I kind of talked to my mom. I was like, I don't know if I can drive anymore. She's like, well, you know, <laughs> you're only 16, so yeah, there's a lot of life to live without and, driving. Exactly. And, I mean, I've come close to driving a half million kid at this point. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know get back. yeah. Exactly. You just get back on course, and all of a sudden, you're half a million K later. Yeah. You're good about yourself. Well, and after an accident like that, too, it's you're wide draft. You know, your your eyes are a little bit more open to the reality of what can happen. Yeah. You know, and it's important to be cautious on the road. You know, you're hurtling a big piece of steel down down a highway at 100 clicks. Yeah. You know, very wrong. Well, yeah, like with that van that I had, I was taking some ground down to camp. Yeah. Uh, just on the on a gravel road that was two miles from where my accident was. Oh. So this okay. one was a, a little wider for farm traffic, mm-hmm. like just for combines and whatever it was typically put in for that so it was it was like triple wall yeah so it's awesome so i could get cruising on that um, oh. taking city kids down that oh hilarious so dare you kill them like nah, yeah nah. like classic when you grow up in the city and you haven't even seen a gravel road yeah driving on one. <laughs> oh yeah it's like anytime i drive out here i always look for like an extra like i'll take the extra Feels good gravel. to be on the gravel road. For me, I just like drive so much gravel that I'm like, oh, pavement. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and I used to be the same way, but I haven't lived on a gravel road since. In a while. Yeah. It's well over a year now. Yeah. I like this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there was one, uh, one basement that I was renting in Peace River last year. Uh, that was, I mean, besides the people renting me the basement, that was my favorite place to live. We were about seven miles out of town, you know, probably five north and about, uh, well, yeah, five north, three, three, uh, west. And, you know, driving gravel every day like that, you get so sick of it so fast. Yeah. Your truck, just, your cab gets like, dusty and everything is just gets rattled loose and stuff. Yeah. But, you know, but it's so worth it living out in the country. Honestly, for me, I'd, I'd rather drive the gravel and have, like, that privacy and be able to just look out and see trees and not houses. Yeah, or not have to do, listen to sirens every night. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like, I'm living in the big city for the first time yeah. ever this year. I was just like, I hate this. Like, I can't wait to, you know, go back to small town. And- yeah, there's just so much, like, the city noise. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Um, when we were living in Leduc, uh kind of thing like living that close to Edmonton you still get that yeah know? and it's actually just being right underneath the airport too. yeah for sure and uh I mean I found I got used to it and actually when I was younger I I enjoyed living in the city mm-hmm. and got to a point where I was like yeah like if I'm in out in this small town now like I miss like the city noise it's hard to fall asleep because it's too quiet yeah and like now I'm complete opposite. Now I'm like, oh, I want to stay out of the city. Like, get me in the country, get me by the trees. Like, yeah. I don't want to see people in buildings. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so you were up north for some of those fires this year, right? Yeah. yeah. This yeah. spring. What was that like? Oh, man. That like, was honestly, close myself. Honestly, that was pretty wild. So, uh, like, living in Peace River a lot of the main fires were happening like right around like Latrite manning and then a little further east of us in slave lake yeah that was kind of like the main area and manning is only an hour north of peace river mm-hmm. so for us basically what happened like it started getting warm last spring 
started getting that nice weather in. And kind of once the first fire started going, it was like a snowball effect. Yeah. The first fire it started up, we heard that, you know, there was some bushfires starting, which is super common in the north there. Mm-hmm. They're just not always that incredibly big. Sometimes they're a bit smaller and they can contain them pretty fast. But these just got out of control. Like I remember uh, talking with local business people and everything and being uh, working at a fuel company, I kind of had an in for that kind of info. And it was like, yeah, so we heard some fires started up. And then a week later, it was like, so these fires are now at the height of treetops and yeah. they're jumping treetops and rivers. And we were like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like this just went from like a little forest fire to this is a serious situation right now. And so what happened is then the smoke started coming in. And being only an hour away from a lot of these huge fires, when I'm telling you it was smoky in the spring in Peace River, I mean, like, we literally broke the scale that was made to test air quality. Yeah, like, even down in Edmonton, I remember one night, I went to go see a movie, and, like, the people coming into the movie theater. Yeah. And I they shut down my work for three days because... It wasn't one to ten anymore. It was, it was seventy four or something stupid like that. Yeah. So the the scale that was actually made for testing uh, specifically forest fire smoke pollution in the air was made on a one to ten scale. Yeah. And uh, we hit a lot of seventeens. And okay, that's what it was. Yeah, it was a lot of seventeens that we were hitting in Peace River in spring. And uh, so yeah, we we broke that scale. Yeah, yeah went we were, way over. Yeah, we were breaking that scale down in Edmonton too. Like, yeah, it was ugly. Which is nuts. So for for me and Peace River there, I was living on a fourth floor apartment at the time in springtime. Uh, that was actually shortly after I moved out of that place in the country I was just talking about. So I'm living on a fourth floor apartment north end of uh, Peace River, and I had a west facing deck beautiful yeah to see the sunsets in the valley every night um but from my deck i had a perfect view of the west side of the valley i was on the east side then it went down you've got your river then it went up well i could always see it you know very easily from floor. yeah when that smoke came in there were days that i couldn't even see like to the street that my apartment building was on Mm -hmm. never mind see across the valley you know, like it got so smoky that there were times you had like five feet of visibility on the road. Yeah. And it's just smoke. Like it's the craziest feeling because it'll be like three o'clock in the afternoon and, and it, the sun would be just dark orange and it would be like black outside. Yeah. Just gnarly. Oh yeah. No, and it's, it's spooky those days. Like I, like we had the lights come on at work. Yeah. Which you never saw. It's right. cool at night when it's like, you can see all the lights of the yeah. oil frying. Then, yeah, it looks sick. And then, but in the middle of the day, when you can see this big orange sun, <laughs> and then everything else is just tinted, yeah, it, it gets spooky. I hated that. Yeah, I think it feels like you're in a horror movie. Or yeah, well, it's like an eerie feeling because once you hear that the fires are starting to jump rivers, then there's no like place to go to. Yeah, you're you're stuck. Yeah, something itself on you for sure. And I mean, people living in Manning, like. Manning went through a time where for like two months in springtime, they were on notice. Like they yeah. might have to pack up and leave their home right now. Yeah. I know my, my big boss, he was from Sylvan or uh, Slate. Slate. Yeah. Yeah. And 
he there's a few times where he's just like, all right, we have to shut her down for the day because I gotta go pack up my stuff because I might have to go. Yeah. Move. Or sorry, I'm thinking uh, we might be thinking Fort Mac. It was by Fort Mac where all the fires. Well, that was here, right? No, I thought there was some fires like near uh, Manning, Slave Lake, and, and kind of, Fort Mac. There was Fort Mac fires this summer as well. I think so. Uh, maybe not. No, maybe like, I'm getting it mixed up. Yeah, because 2015 or 16 was like the big Fort Mac. Fires. Oh yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, for sure. Those are some wild ones. Yeah, those were. Anyway, just going back to the forest fires, um, working at a fuel company, we had a contract to bring Jet A fuel to helicopters. Yeah. So Jet A is what the choppers use. <clears throat> that was where it started getting pretty interesting because now we're talking about loading up a truck full of flammable fuel and driving it down a closed bush road, which is closed due to fires, and you're going like into this area. Yeah your drop zone where the helicopters are stopped, right? And um, I think the, the kind of the like most wild drop-off we did, the one day uh, we got a call for 40 drums that needed to go down to click, I think it was click 90 or 91 down the Chinchaga Forestry Road. Ooh. Yeah, so... Like, that's a rough road to begin. Yeah, so the Chinchaga Forestry Road is a very known road in the north there. Yeah. Uh, that's where a lot of logging companies have a lot of their camps set up down that road, a lot of sites and stuff. And uh, there's you. that's that road where you've got a lot of steep hills where you need to chain up, and you've got a lot of uh, one-lane bridges and stuff. You know, it's your yeah. classic, like, northern logging kind of situation yeah, where you gotta be on your cb the entire time yeah calling your clicks and everything so that was i think probably one of the wilder ones so that day we went in um we start going down the chin we get to uh the mouth of the chin where we have check-in because uh, now like it was officially closed so they had people like actually walking the gate of those major forestry roads, making sure no one goes down there. Mm -hmm. So we check in, we're like, yeah, we're bringing helicopters, fuel, yeah, you guys need to get in. And we start driving. And uh, <clears throat> At first, everything looked pretty normal. The fires weren't quite till the, till the road in, in all the areas yet. So for a lot of the chunks, it looked like usual, just you see thick bush. And the bush is so thick up there, even if there's 20 feet of bush and then everything else is burnt, you don't see the burn. We were driving along and I just started noticing like we were seeing a lot of bears. Like it was weird. Like it was like one bear there, three minutes down the road, another bear, two minutes down the road, there's another bear. They were just so disturbed. Like all the wildlife in the north got so disturbed during that time because, mm -hmm. I mean, their forest was burning down. Yeah. They're running around frantically looking for places to go. And uh, we're driving along, it, you know, you have just kind of a wild feeling. It's like you're seeing a bunch of bears like frantically running around the woods. You, you're covered in smoke everywhere. You're passing dudes that are actually fighting the fire. We started getting to guys where you see the forestry people on the side of the road on the chin there, and you've just got like a group of 10 dudes that are literally just toeing. Yeah. They're just sweaty. They've got a bunch of gear out there. It looks just gnarly man like fighting fires is the craziest thing you're in the middle of thick bush bugs heat and you're fully suited up with fire retardant gear so you're burning to death yeah and then you're probably working there between like 
12 and 16 hours a day. Oh, yeah. Or 18 hours or 18 days hours, or whatever. Yeah. Like, those guys sometimes don't sleep. No. And then, uh, yeah, we're driving along, and all of a sudden, it was just like Armageddon. We just hit this spot, and to the right of me, everything I could see was burned. Just, like, the ground was like a dirt. Like, there was no grass or green left. And um, <clears throat> all the trees were bare and stripped. Just like a movie. We were driving, green, lush forest, just boom, a line. Everything is just like desolate and on fire. And uh, yeah, it was wild. So during that part of the road where we were real close to the fire, we were like, we were actually seeing it. There was trees burning beside us. There was spots where fire was creeping onto the road. And like, we're just trying to get out to drop fuel off so that these chopper pilots can get some water on this fire. Yeah. And then, uh, so yeah, we ended up making it all the way to click 91, which is a good ways down the chin. I mean, yeah. it goes way further. Yeah, because I think it goes, what, 200K? 300K? Yeah, I think it goes 300. I, I think there's like 250s anyway. Yeah, like the best I've done anyways on that, because I think it was louder or 75, maybe. Oh, yeah. Somewhere out there. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we make it out there um, to the site where we're dropping off the drones and unload them. We made it back and everything fine, but it's just a crazy feeling. Like yeah, you're just basically driving down a closed road that's literally on fire. Yeah, and you're you basically got a bomb strapped to your back. Yeah, that too. Yeah, for sure. But uh, it felt really cool being a part of the movement that was fighting those fires. Yeah, like it felt so cool to be able to contribute a small part, of it. just bringing bringing these pilots their fuel that they need. And that came with some really cool stuff too, like, uh, you know, before I did that, I hadn't been around too many helicopters, you know, like, yeah. when are you, right? You see them a lot in Alberta, but you're not, like, yeah, around them. But now, like, I was dropping off drums and having, like, up to six helicopters landing 10 feet away from me or 30 or 100 feet away from me. And so it was really cool. I got to, I would just pause, kind of with my work and I would just start talking to these pilots. Just go around on our drop-off zone there, just ask them questions, ask them how it's going and stuff. And it was super cool. I got to meet a lot of cool dudes. Um, funny enough, like most helicopter pilots that I personally met were kind of like a little bit, you know, oh, like yeah. they, they're kind of assholes. Yeah. <laughs> like they're doing the hardest job. So they think that you're there to cater their every whim. Yeah. But I also met some guys that were just, like, in their 70s, just, like, this old dude in a Hawaii shirt and shorts, yeah. literally. He just loved Just ripping around with a helicopter, dropping water on the fires. No big deal. I just happened to be taking care of these wildfires. Yeah. Drop off the fuel. We're good. Yeah. And, man, watching those older pilots operate choppers, so cool. Like, most of the time... You've got a guy coming in for a landing and he starts slowing down like far away in the air. They make like big loops and slowly come down and they like shakily land on the ground. But this one guy, one time I'm unrolling drums off my truck and I just see this chopper coming in just mocked. Ripping in. And uh, he just comes in, flies above us and just straight down in like 10 seconds. Ooh. Just lands, no shakiness, perfect level, just comes in hot for a landing. And I just went up to his chopper, I just had to, I was like, man, I've never seen anyone land that fast or smooth with a chopper. And like, I've seen a few choppers 
time out. He's like, yeah, you can tell I'm old, hey? <laughs> and he's just an old dude just in his Hawaii beach shirt. So just so confident. Yeah, and he's just loving it, just out there doing what he knows how to do. You know? Yeah, you know that guy's had a couple of scary experiences. He's oh, just yeah. like, I got this now. <laughs> yeah. When you're just 70 and you've been flying choppers for that long. Oh, shit. yeah. <laughs> do you ever get to hop on a chopper? I didn't. I was really hoping that I would get to, but um, most of the time, like uh, during that time in spring when the fires were going, uh, that was like the busiest part of work for me. Yeah. Those were like some 15 hour days. Like just haul 40 drums out to this place that's six hours north of town, come back, pick up 40 drums, haul it to this camp that's six hours north of town. Like, yeah. So I didn't have a lot of free time during that time. It was more or less just hammer down. Yeah, make money and that's it. Yeah, well, and just like get the fuel to the beach. Yeah, we yeah. were also bringing out gas out to the uh, to the battle camps where they would stay, uh, and then they would mix up napalm there too, like fires with. Yeah. So I did some of that as well, just bringing out gas out to the beach camps, and that was neat too because forestry camps. I didn't know this again till last year. <clears throat> We drive onto this campsite, and it's a big open field of literally like 160 one-man tents. Everyone just had their own one-man tent, and it was just like a ton of people, and they're all just out there fighting forest fires. Which is what they do. Yeah, that's all they do. That's wild. Imagine. Man, it was like, so... Same thing with tree plant, too. Just, mm-hmm. You know, you see a couple tents, and you're like, everyone's out there. Yeah. They're doing their thing. For sure. Forestry guys are just a different breed. Oh, man. If you want to be forestry, you got to be so hardcore. Like, yeah. I always tell people, I'm like, you know, when you think about, like, hardcore northern Alberta working, you think oil field and logging, and that is hardcore. Oh, yeah. But, like, honestly, forestry is a couple steps above that. Like, if you think logging and oil is tough, go work forestry during a forest fire spring. Oh, yeah. You will not ever work something that long again in your life. Never. No, like, I've done, like, some pretty ridiculous stuff pipelining. And yeah. And refineries that never, ever will I ever go step foot on, try to put out forest fires, because I know what I can handle, and that's not what I can handle. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's very not different. A different level of work. Yeah. Would you ever go, like, legitimately fight fires, or is it you're pretty happy? Uh... Um, I don't think I would. I try not to say anything for sure anymore, like, that <laughs> wouldn't, because next thing you know, I'm going to be fighting forest fires. Right? Like, that's a big, you know, <laughs> life's a crazy thing. Yeah, but that wouldn't be something that I would go for. I just, um, I would rather, yeah, <laughs> I'd rather contribute by bringing guys fuel. Yeah. Because... Being out there and physically fighting those fires, like I said, until you've kind of been there and seen some of that, like, that is a different level. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's pretty gnarly. Uh, obviously, we know that you love the North Country. Oh, yeah. Uh, what do you love most about Manitoba, if there's anything you love about Manitoba? There is lots to love about Manitoba. I, uh, I try not to be, like, one of those haters, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, I was born here, and I love it here. Manitoba is a good place, and and I appreciate it. Um, I think one of the main things that I love about Manitoba is... um, mm. (laughs) That's actually a good question. I don't hate it here, but I don't, like, specifically (laughs) love it. Like, 
Northern Alberta captured me. Yeah. It's like that's I, kinda where your heart belongs. Yeah, I went out there and there was something about it that got me. And I mean, part of that, I think, is because when I was a very young kid, we moved to Grand Prairie. Mm. So I kind of tasted Northern Alberta from the time I was six years on. Um, but uh, like in Manitoba, you've got a lot of big open fields with big open views, which for me, like that's just not my capture yeah. me, no. you know, but like as far as things to love about Manitoba, I think that's something that would come up a lot, you know. Uh, you've got a nice summer day, golden hour, you look over a canola field, and as far as you can see, you've got a flat yes. line of gold. Yeah, you know. That's all you can see. Yeah, which is very beautiful yeah. for those who love that flat, open, endless. Yeah, right? Like, for me, that's the worst thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, uh, there's sometimes where it's like, it's death to look at, but there's other times where it's like, you catch that, but it's not. You get on a little bit of the hill, and you can see nothing but canola, and then all of a sudden, there's that little breakup of like, Lavender for whatever reason. Why would someone go lavender? <laughs> Why did you just, do that? Yeah. Or you just catch the yeah. wheat fields for miles and miles. Mm. Mm. I love this. Yeah. No, that part is good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I uh, I don't honestly have like a specific. You don't, you don't love it, but you don't hate it. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I like I I love it, but I don't connect with it. You know? Yeah, I got you. Okay, so you grew up out here in the flattest part of the country. Yeah. But yet you grew up snowboarding out here. Yeah, so that... <laughs> how, how did that come about? I know, that's so weird. Like, uh, me and my high school friends, that was definitely one of our main hobbies throughout school was snowboarding in the winter. And, uh, man, it's a weird dynamic once you leave Manitoba. Because you're a snowboarder now, and you go other places, and people are like... And like you've never snowboarded in power mountain. Yeah. So basically the way it looks for us here is uh like in Alberta you have a lot more people that uh that just ride kind of. Mm -hmm. You know, they're going out, they're going to a hill where there's three feet of powder, or they're making a mountain trip, you know, to Whistler or something, and doing that kind of backcountry stuff. Whereas here, like the biggest hill I've ever rode in, on my snowboard took me like, like two minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And so we just ride park here. It's all terrain. It's all about jumps and rails and getting gnarly on that stuff. Yeah. Um. So, what we actually do, uh, basically all our hills around here suck. <laughs> you know, they're all small and run poorly and don't have good features. Yeah. Uh, frost fire in North Dakota is not too bad. But what we did is my buddy Kevin just built a big, a big roll in one winter in high school. And we just started making a yard at his house. It was a country bike relief. Okay. And uh, so that's what we started doing. We just make rails, weld them up, make some rails and jumps and stuff. And we just make a terrain park and that's what we ride. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So like, how do you guys get moving on that? Because you don't really have a hill. Yeah, so the Roland Kevin made, he's got, uh, I believe it's it 10 or 13 feet tall. Yeah, and it's pretty steep. And then he put artificial turf on it. So it, it holds the snow a lot better with the artificial turf. Plus, if you're a little bit low on snow for the season, which we always are here, you can still get down that thing. Yeah, but that's how we get our speed. You've 
you've got a staircase. It's a pretty elaborate rolling. We've got a staircase going up and then benches where you can sit and strap into your board and then you just line up and hop in and then you're rolling down. And then we've got our lines of jumps and rails and stuff as well. Right on. Yeah, and then we just loop that all day. That's that's basically the like the majority of the snowboarding I've done in the last couple of years. Like just on it. someone's yard. <laughs> we just you know, spend the same amount as everyone else on our snowboarding gear and then just ride up. Yeah, and then you don't have to pay for ridiculous food prices either. Yeah, that part is nice. Yeah. Our sessions are free. You just go to your parents' house and get it. But the downside of that is, like, I'm a snowboarder and I've never gone on a real snowboarding ride. You know, like, it, it, you, you I've never been in the done? mountains. No. Like, I've been snowboarding for almost five years now, and I've never gone to mountain. Gotta change that one easily. Yeah, well, see, the problem there is just like with living on my own, right out of high school and stuff. I just like, had money. To do that. Oh yeah, it is so expensive. Like um, I graduated June twenty sixth or whatever, and I moved out to Alberta. So really? I haven't had like any money to do kind of fun items with yeah yeah you know i got enough money that i can do some fun stuff with but nothing big ticket like that <laughs> so i mean you moved out so quick after high school yeah no so uh grade 12 my parents ended up deciding that they wanted to go to texas to work at a bible camp out there yeah um which i'm fully supportive of it was really cool uh so what happened there is they decided to sell our house and to go to Texas. So they put our house up for sale. Um, and then they were lining things up to go to Texas. And I was kind of like, well, I don't want to go to Texas. <laughs> like, I've got a job here. I'm going to school. And like, you know, yeah, this isn't really a stage of life where I want to go somewhere for a couple months or be there for a few months. Mm. And so I decided to just stay in Winkler. And so I, I moved out. <laughs> that's in Winkler. Yeah, that's about like I don't know how to describe it other than that. They they took off and sold their house, so I kind of like had no choice. Yeah, I had to just move and make it happen. So yeah, graduated and moved out a couple days after. That's impressive. Started my journey <laughs> real early on. Like I, not a lot of guys do that anymore. Like so I gotta give you full credits for that. It was a uh, yeah, I appreciate it. Um, I wasn't ready. No, no, uh, yes. I was definitely not ready. I didn't want to move out at that time. Yeah. It was the way the circumstances lined up. Out of necessity? Yeah, I, I did what I needed to do. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, so that first time I moved out, um, thankfully, uh, I did have a friend who they decided they would let bedroom in their basement okay and they gave it to me for room and board which was so nice and then like, I only paid 300 bucks a month and that was everything meals bills everything yeah so they helped me out which uh which was really good the the hard thing with that is that three months down the road so July, August, October I actually got kicked out of that place not because there was anything bad going on just because uh, that couple was going through a separation. Okay. So it was just too much having me there or whatever, I guess. Yeah. 
there's no bad blood. I that's actually like my second family. I still see them all the time. Yeah, it just didn't work for them at the time. But that made it really hard for me because I had just moved out and was just kind of adjusting to paying any bills, mm-hmm. even though they were tiny. Um, so then I I got let know that I had to move out of that place. And then uh, that's kind of when things started really getting hectic for me uh, because the next day I went to work and my boss was like, yeah, so turns out our shop is going to be shutting down and we're going to have to let you go in a week. So then I found out that I had a new place and a new job. Yeah. What oh, sorry, the, the timing of that is actually a little... A little I'm, I messed it up a little bit. What happened is um, I got told that I needed to move out of that place. And then I did by the end of October. Got into an apartment with one of my friends. Um, so we were splitting rent. Yeah, it was good, a little bit cheaper. But that apartment was obviously more money than 300 bucks a month. Now I'm paying bills, utilities, everything. And plus food. Yeah. So the timeline is actually the first week that I was in my new apartment when I got let go from my job. So I had just gotten into a place with a higher commitment for bills and I signed a one year lease. Yeah. Um, and then I lost my job. And that was all that week. Yeah. First week of living. That's a rough week. Yeah. That was a very rough week. So yeah, then I uh then I started looking for work, found a job at a local cabinet company called Decor. Um, worked there for 10 months. Uh, my room very severely was working shift work, and it was really having a negative effect on my whole entire life. Yeah. Um, every, every other week when I was coming up to a, um, a shift switch, I would just get for the whole weekend because you're going from being up two every day to being up at six every day. Um, I'd get super angry about the switch going from nights to days again because you're up late and you got to get up super early and stuff. It was getting really bad and I was not feeling good. Uh, I'd, like I said, I'd injured my wrist and it was doing really poorly. And I kind of like, I got super fed up with everything. And then in springtime, I was... Uh, wanting to do something but I don't know I needed a little break or something so <clears throat> what I did is I actually went to camp in Peace River where I've been going through high school for uh, for volunteer went went there for one week was able to get that week off work um, and when I got there I just forgotten how much I loved um, I had been away for a little bit longer than usual just because like, after school then I was working that summer I didn't go now I worked it or through the winter it was summer again so it was a bigger gap than usual and I just remembered like how much I loved the area how much I loved the people the, the lifestyle there and everything and I did my week of volunteer at, at Bible camp there came back to Winkler and I just remember getting on the plane coming back in Grand Prairie, I had the biggest panic attack. It was so odd. I just had this really big panic attack. I felt super uneasy going back, and I just, like, had this feeling like I wanted to stay. Mm -hmm. And so I got back to Winkler, and 
it was pretty wild. I got back to Winkler on a Saturday, gave my notice at Decor on Monday, worked my last two weeks, and moved to Peace River. Nice. Two weeks from getting back from town to moving. So that was pretty crazy. I had a girlfriend at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, my stable job and everything. I just packed up, left all that behind, and dipped out. And uh, loved it. <laughs> loved Peace River. Yeah. So what brought you back here? Yeah, so um, I had a lot of big challenges in Peace River, um, which is to be expected, you know. I moved out there by myself at 19 <laughs> across three provinces. It's a pretty big thing to undergo at that age. Yeah, I mean, it's, I was 20 and I did that, so I feel you. But yeah, and especially knowing what I know now, that's such a big thing to try and do at that age. It's a big thing to do at any age. Like, you know, like, like you tell people, yeah, I just moved through provinces, and you think it's no big deal, and then you realize, like, holy yeah. moved, like, what was that? It's 1,900 kilometers? Yeah. Oh, big distance. Yeah, that's a big Mom distance. Mom and dad aren't right there to help. No. Mom and dad are 19 hours away. Yeah, well, and for me, too, like, I didn't grow up with parents who gave us. Like, I paid for my first car, which I worked for, you know? Like, and my parents have never covered any of my bills. Like, when I moved out at 18, You're... I took care of myself off of what I made. I put the food on my table and paid all the bills. And so, anyway, Alberta, I get there, um, just came across some really hard, hard challenges. The first place where I was living, the lady I was renting off of, um, I didn't know, but her husband had died three years prior. She was in a very hard mental state at the time. So she was like, she was kind of just crazy in general um, and didn't treat me good and charged me a lot of money and blamed me for a lot of things that ended up happening in her, her place uh, that were just normal things that she just like put blame on. Um, and then I moved into that place out in the country. Those people ended up kicking me out, uh, and they were also just, just sour old people. Like, you know, they just didn't want like, any dogs. Like they expected me to be and I'm like, no, no, like I'm 19, and I'm giving you $600 a month. Yeah, like, like, like I'm I, I'm allowed to come in and out of the door whenever the heck I want. Yeah. You know, um, but I think. Because of because of some of those challenges that came up, it honestly took too big of a mental toll on me. You know, if I would have if I would have had that one hard living situation at first, and then got into a place that was good and that was less stressful, I think it would have been fine. I would have yeah. I would have made it. But two back to back and. Uh, just made for such an incredibly hectic year mm -hmm. that it was just too much. Um, by the time this summer rolled rolled around, or uh, last summer, sorry, I was just wore out mentally. I was just exhausted. I uh, I was working a very full time busy job, uh, dealing with living in a place that I felt unwanted mm -hmm. and where people were always yelling at me and frustrated at me for small things that. That didn't matter um and i just kind of came to a point where i was like hey i need to get a minute break 
and uh, yeah, decided to come back to Winkler for for a season. I wanted to come back and reconnect with family and friends, and just be able to chill out for a little while. I I think too, I kind of realized I was like, you know, I'm 19, like I can always come back and try this again. Maybe it was a bit of a big undertaking, and looking back, it definitely was. Yeah, you know, so. Uh, that's kind of what brought me here. It was just a lot, and uh, I wanted to grab a recoup. And so, yeah, this last uh, July, I moved back to Winkler. Nice. And uh, back into mom and dad's house, yeah. which went against everything that I <laughs> believe in. Yeah, I get it, man. And it is very, very challenging, you know, not being on my own right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been a good season to reflect on the last two years. It's been a really good season to look at what all happened from when I turned 18 till 20 now and just all the crazy things I did and undertook and what all happened. It's been, it's been really beneficial for me to be able to take some time to just think through a lot of that stuff. Looking back, there's just so little that I was doing, like 18, 19 years old. Those Years before you're 20, you're just so incredibly packed full of new things. Yeah. You know, and I think now, too, I'm going into my 20s with the idea of it's going to be the same. You know, my 20s are going to be, there's going to be a lot of growth going on. It's going to be a lot of busyness, and I, I want to go in uh, a little more prepared, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, if you're not learning or growing, then you better be. Then what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's no point. Uh, like, I mean, like, you and I are in the same boat where you're like, yeah, I can still count on three different uh, body parts. Uh, how many times I've counted? Yeah. Or to how many times I've moved? Yeah. Where you, you're way more than I. Am. Yeah, I like I literally I get my mom to keep track of how many times I move. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I'm. I think since I was 18, I've moved like nine times. Oh yeah. But overall, I think it's 17 times by myself. Yeah. Like you know, from being all the way up. Yeah, for sure. And like it takes a toll on you. Like every move, you you lose, you lose something with it. Yeah, you always lose. Yeah, you always lose stuff somehow, even though you try to keep control of it. And 